Well, good evening, and welcome to the very last day of January. This is January 31st, 2016. We are broadcasting live on the air from Knoxville, Tennessee, the Crystal Silence League Hour. And I hope this is where you want to be. Um, we're playing Blog Talk Roulette once again, um, according to my guys in the uh, control room. Um, there's some seems to be some um, labyrinthine difficulties with the link. People are clicking on the link and being taken uh, to all corners of the internet. I blame the government for that. They're trying to censor me. However, my voice will not be silenced. I am, after all, the voice of the Crystal Silence League, which is kind of a paradox in itself. But hey, come back in just a few minutes, and we shall be heard. Crystal Silence League Hour, um, episode 88 or so. We've been on the air for quite a while now, two and a half years or so, and uh, who would have thought we lasted this long? Certainly not me. I thought my uh, short attention span would have given up long ago, but there, as long as there's stuff to talk about, I shall indeed be talking. And our topic tonight, of course, is the terrible sense of rightness. And what this is, we're going to talk about decisions between right and wrong. Sometimes we're torn between what we want and what we know is to be right. Often a sense of conflict. There are things we want terribly in our lives, but this creates a sense of conflict because sometimes there are things that we want to do and things that we know we should do. And we're going to discuss that tonight. Um, We also would like to tell you that... um, the Crystal Silence League, for those of you who don't know, was formed around um, 1917 or so by a man um, named uh, um, Claude Conlon, um, um, who formed this uh, organization uh, for the purpose of distributing um, positive affirmation and prayer to all those in need of such. And when he passed into the silence, of course, he took the league with him until it was revived around 2009 or so by adepts of the Missionary Independent Spiritualist Church. And uh, now it's on the Internet, and you can go there to www.crystalsilenceleague.org. And there are many interesting 
web pages there, including an archive or a newsletter that I'm woefully behind in um, editing. Um, I, I promise I'll get caught up with that fairly soon. I just, my family and I just moved into a new house, and we're still in the process of uh, moving, actually, and unpacking. We have most of the stuff moved, and I'm negotiating with uh, some very skilled specialists in getting the, the chapel, uh, the chapel, um, Divine Harmony Spiritual Church, uh, physically transported from our old property to the new property. It will have its own lot next door and its own physical address, so that will be very special. We, um, uh, Crystal Silence League has a prayer page where you can post prayers, and prayer is always free at the Crystal Silence League, and we get often 100 or more prayers a week uh, on that page, which is www.crystalsilenceleague.org. Uh, prayer requests are always there. Uh, we often get questions on how to remove prayers once the need is passed. The best way we have right now is to just report them. And um, and um, I just heard from uh, our good friend and producer and uh, man of all skills, uh, Troll Towelhead, uh, that he will be updating uh, the Crystal Silence League website and also ar updating the archive soon to include the newer newsletters. So that's good news. Uh, if you want to subscribe to our newsletters, just do so. You'll get on our mailing list, and you'll get the uh, newsletters as I crank them out. And I'll be doing that very soon. I have a, uh, a whole new system for this, uh, a new writing and reading area, and uh, to have all my um, 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 all my uh, research materials in one place on a on a 100-year-old bookshelf to match my 100-year-old house, and uh, it'll be very exciting and easy for me to uh, to do this. I was scrabbling for my research materials, trying to find them in, in 20 different locations. Now they're all on one shelf, and uh, I have a recliner I can sit in with my laptop in my lap and just tap away and, and do all this stuff. I also have three books, by the way, in the uh, offing for a... Uh, uh, Submission to a Missionary Independent Spiritual Church to publish, as they did my book, Crystal Magic, um, um, Divination, Healing, and Spellcraft with Gemstones and uh, Crystals, which you can buy from me, from Lucky Mojo Curio Company, and from Missionary Independent Spiritual Church. Um, by all means, you get your copy of that book. It is a wonderful book, and it looks like we have um, a link for those of you who want to... Um, uh, get online. We're having trouble apparently with the link um, to connect with our show. Usually we post a link on all of our many Facebook pages. If you click on that, it apparently takes you all over the wilderness of the interweb. But we're posting a link that you can click on and you can get to our show. Um, if I'm telling you this via uh, this show, though, you already know how to get here. So I'm actually preaching to the choir. Okay. So, I don't even know why I'm saying this. Um, our topic this week is moral decisions. How do you decide between right and wrong? How do you overcome our base instinct to do wrong? And it is easier to do the wrong thing. We we know this. That's the path of least resistance. And how do we know what the right thing to do and the wrong thing to do is? But um, before we dive into this weighty and mighty topic, let's um, talk about our crystal of the week, which is Danbarite. And Danbrot's one of the angel stones. I'm just going to go down and talk about the angel stones uh, the upcoming weeks. And uh, um, 
it is a rock crystal. It is a um, one of the quartz crystals. Um, but uh, like many of the angelic crystals, it is, um, I think, somewhat misinterpreted. Um, people talk about angels, and uh, there's a lot of New Age residue left over about angels. They talk, oh, the angel is soft and healing and cherubic and stuff, but the angels are mighty forces. If you read about them in traditional magical literature, these are uh, destroyers. Uh, in the Bible, they're very scary. And um, they they can be healing, yes. They, they can uh, provide us comfort when necessary, but you know, these were the forces that destroyed uh, cities and uh, warriors and very powerful energy. So let's not underestimate the power of angels and say, you know, they're uh, fluffy little cherubs that float around with rosy cheek bottoms. Angels are very powerful forces, so don't go into this. It's like when people tell me they're working with wild animals as their spirit totems and stuff. And they go, oh, my little wolf, he's so cuddly and... You know, he just follows me around like a little puppy, and I'm thinking, okay, I'm calling bullshit on that because I work with wolves too. I have three of them, and they're wild animals. And I had a I had a friend who was a woman who actually had wolves. She lived up in the mountains uh, near Gallenberg, and she had wolves that lived with her on her cabin. And she was a crazy Russian woman. And these wolves were partially domesticated, which is all you can do with wolves, and. She taught me a lot about wolves before I even attempted necromancy with wolves. And, you know, she said, Johnny, wolves are wild animals. And don't ever mistake them for dogs that have been domesticated for centuries. These wolves will bite. And they will. They respect you. You respect them. They bite. So you work with wild animals with necromancy, even a possum or a raccoon. Their instincts are forefront. And uh, my... I had my acquaintances, uh, the magicians Siegfried and Roy in Las Vegas. Uh, these are people I knew. They worked with tigers, and they loved these tigers. And one of the tigers seriously injured uh, Roy Cohn. They crushed his skull, and Roy was brain damaged. And these are animals that they worked with and respected on a daily basis. And it was a horrible accident. It was a horrible accident. And they knew that these animals were wild animals, and they respected them. They knew how to work with them, and still... This this trusted, tamed animal turned around and bit them. So um, uh, angels are the same, I think. When you work with angelic energies, if you start treating them like they're your new best friend, you know, your, B, your new BFF, you may get burned. Um, you know, yeah, here's my homeboy Gabriel, you know. <laughs> you know uh, so I think it's necessary to go into these um, um these things, uh, knowing what you're getting into, but uh, Damaride activates your third eye and your crown. It's a very high vibratory stone, and as such, um, requires practice to even begin to feel. Uh, you know, I've, I've seen people go in the store and pick them, oh my god, this thing's vibrating, and I'm like, okay, yeah, okay, okay, there, uh, Liberace, whatever. And uh, I, I know I sound kind of uh, uh, Sarcastic, you know. I'm sarcasmic, actually. I, I, I take uh, I take sarcasm to an exquisite level, um, but that's because in this field there's a lot of um, uh, pretentious BSers, and I'm just too old, I think, to um, not call BS on it. And if you ever see me being a pretentious 
snark, by all means, call me on it. You know, say, say, Reverend, you know, you're full. You're as full of shit as a Christmas goose. And I'll say, you know what? Thanks for that. Because one of the best favors a friend can do for another friend is, first of all, call him on his BS. Secondly, warn him if he's about to get in trouble with a woman. You know, if a woman's about to get in trouble with a man. And if your friend is mad at you for that, that's what friends are for. You know, a friend should pull your pull your chestnuts out of the fire. That's what a good friend does. Friends don't stand back and watch you make a fool of yourself. So, you know, if you ever see me say, hey, you know, Reverend, you're, you're about to... It's just about full of crap there. I said, okay, fine, let me reevaluate. I'm full of crap. So I'm wondering if somebody in chat now is going to call me and say, Reverend, you're full of crap, just for the hell of it. The uh, Danverite is a powerful stone. When we're talking about third eye and crown chakras, um, we're talking about powerful work. Um, this can connect you to the infinite. This can connect you to the cosmos. And if you're not ready for that, it can it can drive you crazy, and I don't mean that in a metaphorical sense. When you open up to spirits and to angels and to extraterrestrial and non-terrestrial, non-corporeal beings, you're stepping outside of the world of hard reality and into um, experiences that there's no words for. Um, now, you can also access healing levels that are um, very deep and very subtle um, things that bothered you before it won't bother you anymore um, wounds that you've been carrying around for decades go away so it's well worth working with being a hard stone you can use the direct infusion method drop it in a container of water let it set in the sun let it set in the moon and being an angel stone um, let it um, let it set for a long time um, and uh, it'll protect you from various things very good during things like Mercury retrogrades to have angel stones on your side, make a little angel bag um, that that infused water, put a little bit of brandy in it so it won't get funky and moldy, get amoebas in it, and um, take a drink of it now and again when you feel like you need a, uh, a bit of a celestial energy. Uh, but that's Danburite. I can talk about it for a long time. I really do like it. Um, as you know, um, it's been our custom for uh, um, um, we have uh, Block Talk Radio Service logged in and logged out. Okay. That's, that's the uh, official people, I guess, our, uh, our sponsors. Are they go, are they spying on us? Are they checking on us to make sure we're not terrorists or something? All right. Um, it's been our custom to read aloud some of the prayers that are posted on our website, uh, crystalsilenceleague.org, and we get hundreds of these, and we don't read them all. It'd be dysfunctional. We'd be reading them 24/7 because even as I have been watching the the website, prayers have been posted. We get well over hundreds, sometimes hundreds a week. Um, and when you post a prayer, people will pray for you, and they'll, they'll click on it. They'll go click, and you get an email that says someone prayed for you. And uh, believe me, I, I've posted prayers for other people because they, they don't have Internet access, so I'll post it for them, and I'll get these emails click, 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 click. So I know people pray, and you get lots of answers for these things. So 
Uh, what I'd like to invite you to do now is join me in prayer for some of the people who have posted prayers during the last week. And um, if you have crystal balls and you practice crystal ball projection, now is a good time to do that. That's what I'm doing. I'm holding a big crystal in my hand right now. And we shall send prayer and affirmation for all these people who need it. So let's start. And we only identify by prayer ID number. No names are revealed, even though I see your name and I see your picture. If you posted one right here in front of me. So here we go. Let's go. Prayer ID number 58143, who says, Please join me in prayer for my cousin, whose first initial is R. He recently had cardiac surgery a few weeks ago and needs additional care. And today... He had a cardiac episode and had to return to the medical facility. Please pray a prayer of strength for the family as well. Thank you all in advance for your prayers. Amen. And prayer ID number 58142, who has a terrible hobo spider bite. Oh, my goodness. I have a hobo spider bite that has been landed near and making me very ill. It was very close to my heart. Nothing more doctors can do. I'm having a bad reaction. I need prayers that an angelic host will protect me. I am in need of light workers and angels. May you be blessed. I pray this will go away. I am needed by my family and rescue kitties. Amen. I don't know. Uh, when you get a chance, Google hobo spiders. They're like ground recluse spiders, and their bites can be terrible. They can you can lose a limb from these things. They're terrible. They're in the uh, south. Uh, southwest and west coast of the United States and Canada. They haven't made it down to the southeast yet. Brown recluses are down here, and people get bitten by those, and you get a, the it's like flesh eating venom. So, you know, bless you. Uh, bless you, miss, and I hope that you heal from this terrible spider venom. Prayer ID number 58141 who prays, Lord, my strength and my fortress, my refuge in time of distress to you, the nations will come from the ends of the earth and say our ancestors possessed nothing but false gods, worthless idols that did them no good. All working sent by seas, enemies are destroyed. All seas, enemies fall into darkness. Do people make their own gods? Yes, but they are not gods. All working sent by seas, enemies are destroyed. All seas, enemies fell into darkness. Amen. That's somebody that knows how to compose a prayer. Prayer ID number 58140. Prayer for a huge breakthrough. My prayer requests prosperity. Catholic Christian Apostle, my mother never does anything to hurt me no more. Heal my severe anxiety, massive amounts of coins and money. Need healing after psychiatry made me sick. Drug people never bother with their drugs ever. Tell them to keep it for themselves. Walk under God's protection. God bless you. Amen. Prayer ID number 581. Three, nine. Please pray that I am able to get $10,000 to take care of a financial need. Amen. Prayer ID number 58136. Dear ones, hold me up in prayer. Bless my life with financial abundance. May all my bills be paid. May money flow easily to me abundantly. Thank you. I love you. Amen. Prayer ID number 58134. I've got chronic insomnia. Please pray that I will be able to sleep on my own without pills. I have a doctor's appointment today. Please pray that my doctor has the wisdom to help me resolve the insomnia. Thank you and amen. Prayer ID number 58133. Father God, please let my son YG forget about a girl 
end. He is crazy about her. She told him that she does not want him as a boyfriend. God, please give him clarity and peace of mind. God, please erase all thoughts of her from him forever. Amen. Prayer ID number 58132. To the man who treats me like S-H-I-T puts me down, this F is a prayer for a wake-up call. I will leave. I am done. Amen. Prayer ID number 58131. Prayer. Ah, my husband is trying desperately for a job as hotel chef, but after all the rounds and the final round it comes as he not is getting frustrated and fights with me. Now also he went for the interview in NASIC and everything was okay. Now the owner uh, is seeing more candidates, so he has gone in a shell and does not talk to me and feels I have brought him bad luck. We've got lots of debts and no other source of income, no savings. Please help us. Amen. Prayer ID number 58130. Dear Lord, please bless me that Y will forgive me, that he will trust me again, he will want a relationship, he will ignore the negativity out of someone else's mouths about me. Dear Heavenly Father, please have mercy and allow this relationship to happen. Amen. Prayer ID number 58129. Everybody, please pray that when I take my daughter to Franklin in the morning, pray that they don't turn us around. My daughter is sick. She needs some medicine. Walk-in is between 8 to 10. Pray that all roadblocks be removed out of our way. Also pray that the people who work there be nice and kind and patient. Amen. And prayer ID number 58127. By the mercy of God, after recovering our land, we sold our land to a customer. They've paid half and will pay the half later. Please pray that they might give us the other half very soon. Without getting the other half, we cannot leave the town at the moment, and it's necessary for us to move to the other town for our business. Please pray about this. With the half we got, we paid our big loans and bought some products for our business. Please pray for the success of our business. Amen. Prayer ID number 58126. Please keep my daddy off of dating websites like like plenty of fish. Please make him realize he is meant to be with only me. Please make him cur- curve other females and disallow any other girl from interfering between him and I. Okay, amen. Prayer ID 58125. Dear Crystal Silence League, I come to you with an open heart requesting your intervention. I'm praying for a miracle transformation in my relationship with A, that we get back together in a loving, faithful, committed relationship together. I pray that the wicked interception by S falls away and her wicked, devious ways are turned away from our relationship. I pray for his heart to be receptive to my love and that he is inspired to remember all the love he has for me. I pray for the miraculous union of the two of us. Amen. And let's have one more. Prayer ID number 58124. Please pray for my family. We're currently fighting DCF to get our son back. They took him from us based of false accusations. We have court on December 2nd. He is five weeks old and his name is W. 
my name N, and his father's name is E. Thank you for my infant son to be returned to me. Amen. Let us please have a moment of prayer for all those in need of comfort and support and healing. Amen. Well, tonight we're discussing what may well be the uh, most difficult topic I've ever tried to broach on this show. What's the difference between right and wrong? And some may say that this is uh, an utterly subjective um, um, decision um, or thing to weigh, but is it? Is it now? Now, aren't there some things that are just inherently wrong and some things that are inherently right? You know, don't we know? You know shouldn't we know? Well, I, I don't know. Um, I wouldn't go that far to say because this is a question that um, humanity has wrestled with since we've been civilized. Wouldn't you say? There's a, there are fields of study of this. It's called ethics moral philosophy and libraries are filled with books on on this on this uh, on this topic uh, in that what religion the philosophy um, is all about and what utterly blows my mind is that we've been killing each other for millennia over my 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 book of ideas about what's right and wrong is better than your book of ideas about what's right and wrong. And this is stupid. Uh, that boils down to uh, my superstitions are better than your superstitions, so I'm going to kill you. Uh, so uh, I just think this is uh, this is just crazy. And, uh, um, you know, we, we can't 
keep going on like this. Uh, but if right and wrong were as definable as, let's say, gravity, you know, up and down, you drop a hammer, it goes down, right? It doesn't go up. Then we wouldn't be in this predicament. Um, so let's look at some of the, first of all, historical ideas of right and wrong. There, I don't want to go into the whole thing of uh, meta-ethics and normative ethics. Uh, hedonism is kind of a good idea. That's the idea that uh, basically eat, drink, and be merry. Tomorrow we die. That's hedonism. Um, that pleasure is the path to what's good. And um, there's uh, there are even varieties of that. that. You know, pleasure is okay as long as it doesn't hurt anybody. But then there's extremes of hedonism, such as that practiced by the Marquis de Sade that says uh, pleasure is okay even if it does harm others. And uh, then you have evolutionary ethics. You have all sorts of phrases of it, but ethics is basically ideal human behavior. What's ideal human behavior? And this is um, sometimes this equated with morality. But when you start talking about morality, you get really um, sticky because certain people, uh, a lot of people will say, well, you know, start, it starts getting to dogmatism. And that's where people get um, um, um trying to take issues of opinion and turning it into morality. Um, and that's when you start having people voting morality. Turning morality into politics um, is sexuality a moral issue? You know, your uh, choice of sexual partner is that a moral issue? And if it is a moral issue, should it be enforced? You know, killing people, that's a moral issue, definitely. We know that. That's an ethical issue. You shouldn't kill people for no reason, right? Now, maybe it's okay to kill someone in self-defense, and even that is a slippery slope. There are people that argue with you about that. They would say it's never right to kill somebody. If someone's going down the street, let's say there's there are people going down the street, and they're killing, going from house to house killing people, is it moral, morally and ethically correct to kill them before they get to your house to protect yourself and your family. Now, in my opinion, yes, it is. In some people's opinion, no, it's never, never okay to kill. Now, you get well, maybe you can disarm them. Maybe you can um, just, I'm saying, what if you can't? What if the final, the only thing you can do is to kill them to protect you and your family? Then that's what you have to do. So, you see, that is a very personal thing about right and wrong. And these are the sorts of things you have to know in advance. And, you know, a lot of people bluster. You know, they say, well, if this happens, I'd have no problem killing somebody. But I want to tell you something. You don't know what you're going to do in a situation that extreme until you're in a situation that extreme. You don't know what you're going to do until you're in it. You can think it over to death. But when... You're in an extreme situation. You really don't know what you're going to do until you're in it. Because at that point, it's entirely instinct. And that's where your moral programming comes in. Because you don't know if you're going to do fight or flight in a lot of these situations. 
Now, the the uh, probably the the strongest and oldest uh, recorded ethics uh, system we have goes back to Aristotle and Socrates, and um, they um, they decided that your your highest the only place you're ever going to find your real sense of ethics is turning within. Um, and Socrates was very cool, and I encourage you if you never have you should read you should read Socrates and uh, and even Aristotle. Aristotle was a little analytical, uh, but still very cool. But Socrates, man, um, he was deep. Uh, Socrates believed that you have to become aware of every fact, and that fact was not uh, just enough, but that fact and its implications relevant to your existence um, to be considered a fully functional human being. And so to him, knowledge, knowledge of self, knowledge of yourself was essential to be a fully functional and ethical human being. So, um, and he said, if, if a person attains this knowledge that uh, he or she will naturally be a good person, uh, Socrates' evil arose from ignorance. Uh, he, he he believed that if a criminal was truly aware of the consequences of his actions, he, he would never consider committing those actions. And uh, if a person truly understood uh, the consequences of his actions, they would just naturally gravitate toward right behavior. And uh, um, and he said that knowledge leads to virtue, and virtue leads to happiness. And uh, so a truly knowledgeable and wise human being would just naturally know what to do and know what, what, know what to be good. And I have found this to be true. The, the more I know about myself, the more impossible it is for me to contemplate harmful action. My instincts cringe from it. Uh, the less I knew about myself as a young man, I was a lot more callous and... Um, more likely to commit acts that were uh, thoughtless and even cruel. So, uh, Socrates' self-knowledge was was essential for success, and uh, and his thinking influenced most of Western society throughout up to the 20th century. Aristotle um, took us further and said self-realization is everything, and um, when uh, he believed that people should uh, achieve their full potential, to analyze themselves to their fullest potential, and uh, so to the ancient Greeks, uh, a newborn baby wasn't even considered a human being, but a potential human being. Uh, that human children were not held responsible for their actions; uh, they, they were just potential human beings until they reached their potential. So, um, the, the Greeks. Loved nature. They 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 thought nature was a wonderful thing, and that nothing in nature was wasted. Nothing in nature was done uh, fruitlessly or wasted. And that if we understood nature and understood ourselves, that good would prevail. And um, so, if man looked beyond just existence, the simple existence, and looked into nature and his own harmonious nature and knew nature, his nature, and the nature around him, then virtue would follow and happiness would follow. And 
if man is not in balance with his nature and in, is in ignorance of his nature and is in ignorance of nature around him, chaos and evil and destruction will follow. And if that is not the truest statement you'll hear from me tonight, I don't know what is. We're in the mess we're in now because of being ignorant and out of balance with our own nature, each other's nature, and the nature of the world around us. And this led to another um, school that was popular in Greece called Stoicism, that this virtue led to contentment and peace of mind. And uh, Stoicism was the idea that you mastered extremes and stayed in the middle, moderation. That that you just self-mastered your desires, that you didn't chase them to extremes. And you kept the middle ground. Now, during the time of uh, this, um, these schools were arising about 384 to 323 B.C. Uh, down in India, uh, a very interesting grassroots movement was uh, was happening um, during Hellenistic Greece, during the time of Aristotle, uh, uh, during the time of Socrates, Aristotle, um, and uh, uh, Socrates, who lived right around uh, 500 B.C., uh, a grassroots movement called Buddhism was taking hold that taught very similar ideas, moderation, self-mastery, living in harmony, and, and avoiding extremes, and, self, and working towards self-mastery. These ideas sprung up all over the world. Uh, around the same time. And the idea of the ethics that everybody was talking about uh, became a very important idea that if you know yourself and if you master yourself, then good comes naturally. We're not talking about law. These, these whole ideas of laws came about because People were ignorant of right and wrong. They had no sense of self-mastery. It, it was ignorance and out of control. The reason we have laws is because of lack of control and lack of mastery. And that raises a question. If a law is unethical, if a law is immoral, is it right to obey it? Or is it our moral duty to disobey it? And that's a very difficult, that's a very difficult question. That is a very difficult question. Now, in terms of teachers who teach us right and wrong, if you don't have a good sense of um, what's right and what's wrong, um, a lot of times you will, if you don't have this sense of inner mastery, this natural moral sense, you look to teachers or you use specious reasoning or you let other people tell you. And I'm going to read to you one of the greatest pieces of writing in the history of moral inquiry. And it's called the Kalama Sutta, the Buddha's Charter of Free Inquiry. And uh, it's justly famous. For one thing, it tells you, think for yourself. And because... It will tell you that um, 
don't listen to anybody else tell you what's right and wrong, but look into it. Um, so, in the in the Sama uh, um the eighth Suda from uh, the the Mahavaga, there are um, iterations of this, where the Buddha said, uh, "Friend Savita, apart from faith, apart from liking, apart from what has been acquired by repeated hearing, apart from specious reasoning." And from a bias toward a notion that's been pondered over, I know this, I see this. Decay and death are due to birth. So uh, the Buddha tells you, look for yourself. But um, the, um, the, uh, the Kalamas were a group of people who lived at a crossroads. And every teacher that came through came to the Kalamas. The Kalamas were a people that lived in uh, Kesaputa, and uh, uh, the Kalamas, uh, I'll just read this to you. The Kalamas, who were inhabitants of Kesaputra, sitting on one side, said to the Buddha, There are some monks and Brahmins, venerable sir, who visit Kesaputa. They expound and explain only their own doctrines. The doctrines of others they despise, revile, and pull to pieces. Some other monks and Brahmins, too, venerable sir, come to Kesaputa. They also expound and explain only their own doctrines. The doctrines of others they despise, revile, and pull to pieces. Venerable sir, there is doubt. There is uncertainty in us concerning them. Which of these reverend monks and Brahmins spoke the truth and which falsehood? So what happens is that every week or so, somebody would come in and say, this is the truth. This is the only truth. And everybody else that says otherwise is false. Someone else would come in. This is the truth. And everybody else that says the truth is false. You know, somebody would come in and say, this is, this is the gospel. And, everybody, and that other church down the street, they're teaching you a false gospel. And you go to that church. No, 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 no. Those Baptists, they don't know what they're talking about. Only we Protestants, you know, the Presbyterians know. So you go to the Catholic Church. Oh, oh man, those those Baptists, they don't know. And then you go down to the uh, you go down to the uh, Methodist Church. Oh, those damn Catholics, those mackerel snappers, and those Baptists, you know, goddamn those those holy rollers. So you see, it's like that. Three thousand years ago, in Kesaputa. So they asked the Buddha, how do we know? How do we know he's telling the truth? It says in the Bible, stone your wife to death. It says in the Bible, man should not lie with man. But over here it says, this other group says, no, that's okay. My father wants mercy, not sacrifice. So who do we believe? Buddha. So the Buddha says, it is proper for you, Kalamas, to doubt, to be uncertain. Uncertainty has arisen in you about what's doubtful. Listen to that. Uncertainty has arisen in you about what is doubtful. Right? Buddha said, that's right. That should be right. Uncertainty has arisen in you and what's doubtful. So come, Kalamas. Now listen to this. I want you to listen to this. Do not go upon what has been acquired by repeated hearing. Okay? I'm going to update that. Do not go by what you've read on Facebook a hundred times. Just because you've seen it on Facebook 50 times doesn't make it true. Nor upon tradition. Just because your mommy and your grandmommy and your great-grandmommy and your great-great-grandmommy believed it doesn't make it true. Nor upon rumor. 
Again, just because you read it on Facebook doesn't make it true. Nor upon what is in a scripture. Just because it's in a book and because that book is held to be holy doesn't make it true. Nor upon surmise. Okay, just because people are muttering about it? No. Nor upon an axiom. An axiom. Just because people say it's axiomatic, okay, because people say this is a, uh, it's a law of some kind, you know, it's a law of some kind. Nor upon specious reasoning, just because it sounds logical, doesn't mean it's logical. Nor upon a bias towards a notion that has been pondered over, just because you've arrived at a conclusion after a lot of thought, doesn't mean you're full of shit nor upon another's seeming ability. Just because somebody seems to be impressive, just because somebody seems to be to know what they're doing, doesn't mean they know what they're doing. Nor upon the consideration, this monk is our teacher. In other words, just because someone's in a position of authority. Kalamaz, when you yourselves know these things are bad, these things are blamable. These things are censured by the wise, undertaken and observed. These things lead to harm and ill. Abandon them. Now, the Kalasmas Sutta is often misunderstood and misquoted to say, only believe what you want to believe and don't believe what you don't want to believe. And that's not what it means. That's not what it means. It doesn't say, read the teachings of the Buddha, and if you don't want to believe in karma, and you don't want to believe in past lives, and you don't believe in reincarnation, you don't have to believe in it. That's not what it means. It says, when you know for yourself that these things are bad, these are blamable, these are censured by the wise, when these things are undertaken and observed, these things lead to harm and ill, abandon them. So, he goes on from here, and this is the part that is often not quoted in the little memes you read on Facebook about the Kalabasuda. What do you think, Kalamaz? Does greed appear in a man for his benefit or harm? For his harm, venerable sir. Kalamaz being given to greed and being overwhelmed and vanquished mentally by greed, this man takes life, he steals, he commits adultery, and tells lies. He prompts another two to do likewise. Will that be long for his harm and ill? Yes, venerable sir. What do you think, Kalamaz? Does hate appear in a man for his benefit or harm? For his harm, venerable sir. Kalamaz being given to hate and being overwhelmed and vanquished mentally by hate. This man takes life, steals, commits adultery, and tells lies. He prompts another two to do likewise. Will that be long for his harm and ill? Yes, venerable sir. What do you think, Kalamaz? Does delusion appear in a man for his benefit or harm? For his harm, venerable sir. Kalamaz being given to delusion and being overwhelmed and vanquished mentally by delusion, this man takes life, steals, commits adultery, and tells lies. He prompts another two to do likewise. Will that be long for his harm and ill? Yes, venerable sir. Why do you think, Kalamaz, are these things good or bad? Bad, venerable sir, bad. Blameable or not venerable? Blameable or not blameable? Blameable, venerable sir, censured or praised by the wise, censured, venerable sir, undertaken and observed, do these things lead to harm and ill or not? Or how does it strike you? Undertaken and observed, these things lead to harm and ill, thus it strikes us here. Therefore did we say, Kalamaz, what was said thus? 
Come Calamus, do not go upon what has been acquired by repeated hearing, nor upon tradition, nor upon rumor, nor upon what is in a scripture, nor upon a surmise, nor upon an axiom, nor upon specious reasoning, nor upon a bias toward a notion that has been pondered over, nor upon another's seeming ability, nor upon the consideration this monk is our teacher. Calamaz, when you know yourselves, these things are bad, these things are blamable, these things are censured by the wise, undertaken and observed, these things lead to harm and ill, abandon them. Let's go to station identification. Radio Network is a media alliance whose excellent shows include the Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Rework Hour with Catherine Ironwood and Conjurman Ali, Sundays 3 to 4.30. Candelo's Corner with Candelo Camusa and Michael Carell, Mondays 5 to 7. The Crystal Cyrus League Hour with John St. Germain, Tuesdays 5 to 6. In the Streets with Beverly Smith, Tuesdays 6 to 7. Bitter Foxy with Madame Naya and Jaya Danya, Wednesdays 6 to 7. The Now You Know Show with Professor Charles Porterfield, Thursday 6 to 7.30. The Witch, the Priestess, and the Cauldron with Elvira Love and Phoenix LeFay, Friday 6 to 7. And Liquid Libations with Andrea Western, Saturdays 5 to 7. All time specific, add three hours for Eastern, sponsored by the Lucky Mojo Curie Company in Forestville, California, and online at luckymojo.com. How many of you dare me? And just a show of hands, how many of you dare me to take this passage right here? What do you think, Kalamaz? Being given to greed and being overwhelmed and vanquished mentally by greed, this man takes life, steals, commits adultery, and tells lies. He prompts another two to do likewise. Will that be long for his harm and ill? Put that on Facebook under a picture of Donald Trump. How many of you dare me? Let's have a show of hands. Because, you know, I'm a sucker for, you know, I'm a sucker for a dare. And if you double dog dare me, you might as well say that's a that's law. It will be law. It will appear on my Facebook page. And I'll probably get, you know, kicked off of Facebook because, you know, they're going to censor the Internet next. So here we have the Buddha's charter of free inquiry um, on how to see if something is harmful. Is It's harmful. So that's how you tell. So, you know, is it harmful for a man to sleep with a man? Is it harmful for a woman to sleep with a woman by these um, um, criteria? I I can't see it. Um, Is it harmful for an adult to sleep with a child? Yes. Is it harmful for a person to have sex by force? Yes. Is it harmful to murder? Yes. Uh, this is very easy, a very easy criteria. Now, you start getting, is it harmful to steal? Yes. Oh, yes. Um, you see, when there's when there's conflict, when conflict arises, it's it's easy. Is it harmful to bully someone? Yes. Oh, yes. When you see by your own experience that these things are bad, these things are blamable, these things are censured by the wise... Undertaken and observe. These things lead to harm and ill. Abandon them. Abandon them. So, what to do about people who take pleasure, though, in these things? 
um, what to do about people who take pleasure in these things. Can can we change them? Uh, you know, my goodness, I've I, I wouldn't be in the business I'm in if I didn't think you could encourage and help people toward a toward the you know the the right hand path of. So the Buddha goes on with as many of these suttas do about the other side. He says, "What do you think, Kalamaz? Does absence of grief, greed, appear in a man for his benefit or harm?" And he says, "For his benefit, venerable sir." And he says, "Kalamaz, being not given to greed and being not overwhelmed and not vanquished mentally by greed, this man does not take life, does not steal, does not commit adultery, and does not tell lies. He prompts another two to do likewise." Will that be long for his benefit and happiness? Yes, venerable sir. And he talks about absence of hate and absence of delusion. And what we see, of course, is that the Buddha is, is teaching Dharma. He's teaching greed, hate, and delusion, the three taints, the three causes of suffering. Uh, and then, of course, he goes on to give a Dharma lesson, and he talks about the exalted dwellings, the paramitas, which are... Um, uh, compassion, equanimity, and sympathetic joy, and he teaches about the solaces, um, um, about the fruits of, a, of abandoning um, about this. And at the end of it, uh, the Kalamas, uh, I guess as a group, all gave the Enlightenment speech uh, <laughs> that, that I always called it. Marvelous, venerables are marvelous, as if a, as if a person were to turn face upward, what was upside down, or uncover the concealed, or to point the way to one who is lost, or to carry a lamp into the darkness. That's the Enlightenment speech, I always call it. Thinking those who have eyes will see visible objects. So has the Dharma been set forth in many ways by the Buddha. We go to the Blessed One for refuge, to the Dharma for refuge, and to the community of bhikkhus for refuge, venerable sir. May the Blessed One regard us as lay followers have gone to refuge from life for today. So we see at the end of the Kalama Sutta, um, uh, the, the, the Kalamas um, who had been uh, the Kalamas of, uh, of, um, of this small town of Kosala uh, became followers and, uh, of the Buddha. So this is often left out when people talk about, uh, you know, don't believe anything anyone tells you unless you, you um, uh, determine it for yourself, which is not the, the lesson of the Kalama Sutta. The lesson of the Kalama Sutta is that you discover what is blamable and what is not blamable by observation, not by by going to authority or by specious reasoning because specious reasoning can lead you astray as many philosophical systems have done before. There have been many logical reasons why you should kill people. Um, we have, there are many reasons to think, uh, you know, you can look at interviews of serial killers and they'll, they'll tell you, well, you know, these people I killed, they were not real people. They were, they were animals. You know, they were there were cattle. You know, they, they weren't real people. And it's very chilling. Um, you know, she deserved to die. He deserved to die. And I have spoken to people, uh, chillingly enough, who were uh, malicious nar narcissists who wanted me to kill people with black magic. And they, I said, well, why, why would you 
want to do this and said, well, you know, they, 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 they're lying about me. They're spreading lies about me. Well, that's not a death penalty. Well, yes, it is. Don't you understand? They're lying about me. They're telling bad. They're spreading rumors about me, like I'm a bad person. So I want them dead. I want you to put a curse on them so that they'll have a car wreck and die, or at least be paralyzed so they can't talk about me anymore. I'm, oh, uh, okay. I'm I'm going to hang up now. Uh, so, you see, in their minds, though, this was a crime worthy of death because you know they said they weren't a very good person, and you know. When they were, this person was only speaking the truth. This was not a very good person. Um, so, what I would like to conclude with is that the right decision is often a very difficult one to make. But what, I, I do have a, a rule of thumb, and what I've learned from experience is that when you're torn between the horns of a dilemma, now, let's say that you have to make a difficult phone call. Let's say that you're sitting here and there's somebody and you have to you have to tell them some bad news and it's easier you got to pick up the phone and you've got to be brave. You know, you have to pick up the phone and say, "Well, well, um, Jane, I've got to break up with you." But it would just be easier to not make that phone call. Or you got to let's say you got to fess up to something you've done that's wrong. You got to pick up the phone and say, "Well, Jane, I've been dishonest with you. I've um, I was not honest with you, and I did something I really shouldn't have, and um, I have to admit it to you. And that's the right thing to do." What I have discovered is, in a situation like that, the right thing to do is usually the most difficult thing to do. Or let's say that you're in a situation where you're just staying because you think it's the easiest thing to do for both of you when you know the better thing to do is for you to end it. And this is a situation I have seen again and again and again in relationships. I say, why don't you just leave? Well, I don't, I don't know how to tell him. I don't want to hurt anybody. I don't want to um, make it hard for anybody. I'm trying to be nice. And I say, you know, it would be kinder if you would just go ahead and end it. Well, I know, but I don't. It's it, it's hard. And you see, the right thing to do is the hardest thing to do in a situation like that. And I, I say this again and again and again to many of my clients. And this is not a this is not a rule of thumb that you apply universally. But in many situations, the right thing to do is the hardest thing to do, or the hardest thing to do is the right thing to do. And I found this to be the case in many ethical dilemmas. The easy thing to do is to do nothing. Now, sometimes doing nothing is the right thing to do. But sometimes the easy thing to do it is the wrong thing to do. And that's why sometimes the wrong thing to do is the easiest thing to do. It's, it's hard to be faithful in a relationship. It's hard to be honest when you're when no one's looking. But that's the right thing to do. In the streets of Beverly Smith is not on tonight, so we'll have her. We'll have to uh, see her next week, and I'll see you next week. Bye bye. Love you.